Turn with me, please, to Luke's Gospel 19. Our title this evening is Occupy or Comply. Occupy or Comply. Luke chapter 19, please. Beginning to read at verse 12. And he said, Therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him, and he sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thy good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thy authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man, Thou takest up that thou laidest not down, and reapest thou that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thy wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I had not laid down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, and that, thy, and that my com- com- coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring them hither and slay them before me. And he went, and when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. The Lord Jesus has given a parable here, and as he's giving this parable, many people just read over it and say, well, it's about doing something for God. It is about doing something for God as a believer, by the way. It is about that. But there's so much more to know and to learn about this. The Lord Jesus gives us, even in the first verse, there are some pointers to the whole parable. For example, in verse 12, he said, Therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Christ is the nobleman who will go into the far country, which is heaven. And he will come again. Here are the pointers right in the very first verse of our reading, verse 12. He will ascend and he's glorified. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And there he will come again. 
And so the, the natural run of the matter is that it also points that Christ must first die. Be buried and rise again before his ascension into heaven. And so when we, we look at this, we see that the Lord Jesus died that he might carry away our sin being buried and then he was risen again on the third day. In other words, those of us who are ready, who are believing, who are trusting in Christ and his finished work at Calvary, those of us who have put our whole and our full trust in him are watching and waiting for the coming of Christ again. But I want you to notice and I want you to take note. He gives us a whole synopsis in this parable. He takes out literally 2,000 years of history within the short verses that we had read. He is the nobleman going into a far country. He is the one who has ascended and returning. And then he's going to look for those who have been serving and in their service, he will reward their service. Hence the pounds. And also those who have rejected him, he will slay them, as it says. He's, he's given us a, an example of those who will be damned at the return of Christ. That they'll be lost at the return of Christ. But note it says in verse 12, he goes to receive a kingdom for himself. The kingdom is not a kingdom of man. The kingdom is not a kingdom of man's ideology. The kingdom is not a kingdom of the elitists. The kingdom is not a kingdom of a new world order. The kingdom is not a kingdom of Illuminati. The kingdom is the kingdom of Christ. And his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And he will return in order to set it up in its fullness at his second coming again. Notice those who are acceptable to God will be in the kingdom. And those who are unacceptable to God will be outside the kingdom. In other words, those who are saved by grace through faith in Christ will be in the kingdom. And those who are Christ rejectors will be outside of the kingdom and under the wrath of God. So we think of our Lord Jesus who has taken us from the world, from the darkness, and from the devil. And he saved men and women. He's washed them by faith in his own precious blood. And they are his kingdom people. Will you turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, please? We're just going to lift a couple of verses out. And I want you to see the difference between the saved and the lost. I want you to see for those whom he's coming for again. And those to whom he will pour out his wrath. Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14. It says of the Lord Jesus Christ that he hath delivered us from the power of darkness. 
He hath delivered us from the power of darkness. My brothers and sisters, you and I were once in darkness, but now we are in light. And if you're not saved, you're still sitting in darkness. If you're not right with God, you're still sitting in darkness. If you've never been to the cross, you're in darkness. If you've never been washed in the blood, you're still in darkness. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ delivered us from the power of darkness. And the power is the word, the exousia power. Exousia means the right, the privilege, the authority, the license. That's what it means. The right, the privilege, the authority, and the license. In other words, there's one time in my life and in your life before you came to Christ and you're saved by his grace through his doing and his dying. The power of darkness, the darkness of this world had license over you, had privilege over you, had authority over you. The darkness of this world owned you until the Holy Ghost came and quickened you. Made you alive unto God and pointed you to Calvary where there you beheld the Lamb of God who bore away your sin. And there crying for mercy in repentance. There receiving grace. We're washed by faith in the blood of the Lord. He delivered us from the power of darkness. Notice and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The word dear there is the word agape, as in love. And son is huis. It means his son of right standing, of full maturity, who hath in his hands the keys and authority. For example, there's two words used for son. Well, two main words used for son. One is huis and one is technon. Technon means a born one. It can mean, as we would say, a child or a bairn. And that child, if you were to pass away and you have left the will, they will receive what you have from a will. But all that you have, all that you own, will already be theirs in name until you go. And a technon doesn't realize that all that the father, father and mother owns will one day be theirs. But a huias comes into the fullness of knowledge that I am a full right standing son of God. I'm a full right standing daughter of God. And when I'm a full right standing, I have the legal, legal documents. That should the devil come, I can give him a testimony. I can tell him how I got saved. I can speak of the blood. I can speak of the cross. I'll speak of Christ. And we understand that we are saved, fully saved and truly saved. Christ is the huis. He is the son of full maturity. He is the son of the love of God. So God took you from the power of darkness. And God took you from the license and the authority of darkness. And he has translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. Can I ask you tonight? Are you still in darkness? Are you still in darkness? It's the power of darkness. 
still have hold over your life? Or have you been translated into the kingdom of God? Notice what verse 14 says, In whom? In Christ. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So as Christ is speaking of himself in our, in our parable and his receiving of a kingdom, then he is resurrected, he is ascended, and he is receiving that kingdom. But would you look, if you would, to verse 14 of our reading, please, of Luke chapter 19. A second group of people are mentioned in this parable. But his citizens hated him. Notice, but his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Rejection of Christ. The rejection of Christ. He is not our Messiah. He is not the Christ. He is not our God. He is not our Redeemer. He is not our Savior, our Lord, nor our Master. He's nothing to us. Now this is just coming up to the last week before Christ enters Jerusalem and is crucified. This is coming up to the very last week before he enters through into Jerusalem and in the first of the week they're they're strawing before them all of the the palm leaves and on their clothes before him. Hosanna, blessed is the king who cometh in the name of the Lord. They're crying unto him, Baruch Abba Shem Aranai. And as they're crying this, healing Christ within five days, Within five days, we will not have this man to reign over us. Here the Lord Jesus is prophesying of the week that would come that the Jews would reject him. And he says, it says the citizens, John chapter 1 and in verse 11, John says of the Lord Jesus, and he came on to his own. And his own received him not. He came to Judah. And Judah turned him away. When we reverse back until 2,000 years ago and we look at verse 13 of our reading, the the first grouping of people are he called 10 servants and delivered to them 10 pounds. And really he's looking at the lost sheep of the house of Israel and how the gospel would go forward and they would serve him. But how would they serve him? How would you serve him? And how would I serve him? If we notice here, many are still saying today, we will not have this man to reign over us. He's a noble man as he speaks in this parable. It's the word anthropos. Now, anthropos can mean just a human. But really, when you dig down deep into it, it means a little more than that. It means a human being or a man-faced. That's what one of the the renderings is, man-faced. In other words, that, that man is distinct from all other creation, that Christ is distinct from all other men. 
And Israel were distinct from others. Man-faced. In other words, he came after the seed of Abraham. Through the house of David. And the tribe of Judah. Man-faced. In the beginning was the word. And we know that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Christ is speaking of himself. And he says, I will be rejected by the Jews. But there are ten servants to whom the gospel will go. And each will receive a pound. In other words, he's going to give gifts unto the people. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. He's going to give graces unto them. The fruit of the Spirit unto them. The Word of God unto them. But how will they take my pound? And what will they do with it? How will they take the pound that I give them? This isn't a pound coin, by the way. It's for our rendering and our understanding. And it's not just monetarily. It's something that Christ would give us. And how are we taking the pound and trading with it for Christ as believers? Or do we place ourselves in the bracket of these Jews who would say, I will not have this man to reign over us. So a nobleman, a certain nobleman went into a far country and Christ ascended into heaven to receive his kingdom. Not your kingdom or my kingdom, his kingdom. Will you turn with me please to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 7. Daniel has a dream. We can't read it all. Read it all. Read it when you go home when you have time. Daniel has a dream. And Daniel is dreaming a dream where he sees four beasts. And what he's seeing is it, it's in resemblance to what Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon sees when he sees a man with a head of gold and chest and arms of silver and a belly of brass or bronze and legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. And Daniel interprets the dream in Daniel 2. Nebuchadnezzar, thou art this head of gold. You're the man with the head of gold. Then there's coming another kingdom, he says, inferior unto the Babylonian kingdom. That would be the silver arms. The Medo-Persian, the Medes and the Persians would come and defeat them. Then after that would come the bronze. And that would be Alexander the Great. Then the pagan Roman Empire. And from there would spring up the papal system. The little horn of Daniel it's called. And now from Daniel chapter 2, man sees himself glorious like gold and silver in his own dreams. I'm the head of gold. In Daniel chapter 3 into 4, he starts building, Nebuchadnezzar builds a big golden uh, statue. And he says, every time the music sounds and every time the instruments play, everyone in the kingdom has to fall down and obey my government. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? You see, the Babylonian system is still at large in the world tonight. The Babylonian system, it's economical. The economy, the Babylonian system, ecclesiastical, 
the gathering of all religions to ecumenize one with another under Rome. Do you know in the Middle East they're building a big building is set to be opened, I think it's next year. A one world religion place of worship. God smashed the Tower of Babel. God scattered the people, confused their language so that they could not come together in such a manner and fashion. And now man is trying to do it again ecclesiastically. He's been trying to do it through government ways. European Union, NATO, United Nations, trying to do it through the Bilderbergers, the Rothschilds, the banking system, those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And that system is alive and well in the world today, and they are planning a new world order, the demonic trinity of it. They're bringing all together. And what they're wanting to do is to see how much the people will comply. If you think the last two years is bad, you might get a lull for a while. Where do you see what's coming? Do you know they're trying to put through parliament laws today? Or not today, I think it was yesterday. Emergency laws recently. That you have no human rights if society demands it. If society demands it. This is the system. We hear about the great reset. Never mind the reset. We are the great resist. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. So are we occupying or complying? I wonder if that was set out to many leaders in the church today. I wonder how many would be able to truly honestly say occupy. The only thing many have occupied is their living room. I recently seen a church that hadn't opened in two years. Not once. Two years. They'd done a video for their grand new opening. Reopening. We're walking in in victory. That's what they were saying. We're here in victory. Praise God. We're in the sanctuary. We're walking in victory. I said, you're not walking in victory. That's me shouting at the screen, by the way. You didn't occupy. I'll tell you what you've done. You complied. You complied. You didn't occupy. You're not walking in victory. You're walking because they're allowed you. And you're accepting it. Brothers and sisters, Christ went to receive a kingdom, this Babylonian kingdom, Daniel 7. Daniel sees these beasts. Nebuchadnezzar, head of gold, breast and arms of silver, belly of brass, what was Alexander the Great, Roman Empire, the pagan Roman Empire was the legs of iron, the feet iron and clay, 
start to show where we have a, 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 a national, uh, governmental, and ecclesiastical way with it. In fact, the first Holy Roman Emperor, the first Holy Roman Emperor, official, I should say, first Holy Roman Emperor, Charlemagne, 800 AD on Christmas Day, was crowned the Holy Roman Emperor by the Pope. And hence we have ecclesiastical, military, governmental, working together. Do you think it's a coincidence that this building's been built for a new world order, for a one world worship system? How many weeks ago was it? How many months ago was it I told you that Russia are, uh, are amassing on the Ukraine border? How long ago was it when I told you, you're not hearing it in the news, you know why? Because we're so fixed in COVID. Brainwashed with it. Sick and tired of it. And the people are like this at their TV screens. Brainwashed. Brainwashed. It's good to be bloodwashed, but isn't it? It's good to be bloodwashed. You will find that Daniel sees the same kingdoms. I can't go through them this evening because I've, I've looked at them in detail quite a few times. One was like a lion. He understood it looked like a lion, but it was a bit different. Then there was another beast. It was like a bear. So the lion was the Babylonian Empire, the bear was the Medo-Persian, the arms and the silver, and they just match each other. Notice in Daniel 7, the first six was one like a leopard. But in verse 7 it says, And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast. Now you notice, it's not a lion. It's not a bear. It's not a leopard. You can't recognize it. It's something that you just can't describe. You know why? Because it's what we're living in today. It's a hodgepodge, mix-up, match-up of all things that are happening. Notice what he says. After this, I saw the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong as seemingly, it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in, the, in the, this horn were the eyes of a man. Notice the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. This was the papal empire coming out of pagan Rome. Now, in the meantime, that's where we're living today. In the meantime, will you look with me, please, at verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days that they brought him near before God. And they were given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. Daniel sees, listen, 600 plus years 
before the coming of Christ in Bethlehem, Daniel sees the Christ of God, the risen Christ, the prophetic Christ. Daniel sees him as though he's buried, dead, buried, risen again, glorified, and there he's coming to the ancient of days. In other words, the son is coming to the father to receive for himself a kingdom. The word here, dominion. In fact, the word dominion, glory and kingdom. In verse 14, all three words, they are not in Hebrew. Usually the most of the of your Old Testament is in Hebrew. Most of Daniel is written in Aramaic. From about, I can't remember exactly, from about chapter 2 to about chapter 8 or 9 is Aramaic. And the word dominion, glory, and kingdom. Dominion is shultan. It means sovereignty and empire. Sovereignty and empire. He comes to his father to receive his fullness of sovereignty as a man. To receive the empire of the kingdom. And then the second word is glory, yacha, Aramaic, yacha. And it means honor and esteem. And the third one is kingdom, malku. Now listen to what it means, kingship. Reign, sovereign right. Christ went to receive for himself a kingdom. Now if you have a kingdom, a kingdom consists of four things. One, land. Two, people. Three, law. And fourth, a king. A king. Hence Christ is reigning from heaven as the king. But Christ will return from heaven as the king of kings and as the Lord of lords. We sang it at the start. Behold he comes riding on the clouds. Notice this if you will. In verse 18 of Daniel 7. But the saints of the Most High, that's you and I, shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Who's looking forward to being in that kingdom? I'm looking forward to the coming of Christ. Notice this. Verse 21, just for time's sake. And I beheld the same horn made war with the saints. What's that? That was the Reformation. The horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. 50 million martyrs. But notice this. Until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. You know what he's saying? At the time of Reformation, there was a lot of bloodshed, but the word of God started to prevail through the Spirit. 
And the saints began to have, listen, there's difference between Christianity and Christendom. People think they're the same, they're not. Christendom were the nations taken up, covenant nations of Israel to God. Christianity was a religion that filled it. It was the reign of Christ. Now look at our world. Look at the state of the nations. Look at Northern Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales. Southern Ireland was under the grip of Roman power. Look at Europe, it was the same. But look at Denmark and, and Sweden, all Scandinavia, so-called Protestant nations, all atheistic and fallen away from God. The United Kingdom is godless. Now listen, brothers and sisters, can you tell me, how can we believe a government who at the very heart of it, at the very soul of it, are nothing but a bunch of liars and drunkards? What sort of a way is that to govern a land? A bunch of crooks in Westminster. Used to be there were prayer meetings in Westminster by many of the politicians. They sat in halls praying before they met together. They read the scriptures and proclaimed Christ. But now they're like a bunch of heathen. And they want you to accept their word when they've lied to you. They lied to Ulster. Boris Johnson lied his heart out. Put a demonic border up the REC. Now we might be held, be held with a land grab from the European Union. And the demonic beast of Europe that we have talked about tonight. Listen, I've been slandered. I've been slaughtered. I've been talked about. I've been called all sorts of names, but I'll still take the stand. Europe is a beast. It's a system of evil. And there's not a man in Ulster. There's not a man in Ulster to stand up and say, this is a land grab of the devil. This is who our government in Westminster weeks and weeks ago I said Boris Johnson was a liar weeks and weeks ago and someone came and says me you're not being a bit hard on him I says I am not indeed where do you see what comes out from him Why we are told to stay at home. Make sure you don't infect granny. Be a good boy and comply. Be a good girl and comply. And all the churches shut their doors. Hid behind their walls at home. 
They weren't occupying the Christ return. I don't trust one of them in that conservative party or labor. That's even worse, but nevertheless. They're two years of the same donkey. Notice, if you will, turn with me to Revelation chapter 15. Boy, time has flown already. Revelation 15. I was surprised after this morning. I thought I'm going to get an hour slating online, and I've had none but good comments all day, so wait until the rest of the months come later. I actually got an email this afternoon from... Where was it from now? America. And Indiana. Just this afternoon. There was a woman watching. She says, thank you for preaching this morning what you preached. I have been holding off. I'm surrendering it to Christ. I'm going to do what he's told me to do. Revelation 11 and verse 15, please. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded. And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. This again is a shout out to the time when Martin Luther would cry, The just shall live by faith. And the kingdoms of God or this word, pardon me, are the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, of his anointed. And God started to form Christendom under the rule of Christ. And if you let your eye run right through to Revelation 19, please. Here is the coming of Christ. Revelation 19. And verse 11, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he, shall, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We find here this is the coming, the second coming of Christ. Revelation 11, when I said that's the Reformation, the early church right up through Nero, they occupied. It was occupation. They occupied. They did not comply. Daniel did not comply. 
Listen, we're a peaceful people, a law-abiding people, but when there are laws that take away from that which are Christ, then we must say no. What about the early church, the apostles? If you preach in the name of Jesus, we'll throw you into prison. See, today they'll say, we'll preach everything but Jesus. And to be honest, it wouldn't be very hard for them to get around it. They're so used to it. Many of them, not all, obviously, many. Complying, not occupying. But if you preach in the name of Jesus, we will cast you into prison. We will bring you before the judge. You may even lose your life. And the early church said, then it's Christ for me. They went to prison and on to death. The reformers, 95 theses, 31st of October, 1517, the just shall live by faith. Martin Luther was told if you were to go to nail these theses in the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral, he says, every tile is like a devil. They'll be against you. The whole world is against you, they said to Martin Luther. Notice the whole world is against you. You know what he said? Then I'm against the whole world. You know why? Because Christ was with him. Because Christ was his. Notice here, if you will, the reformers occupied, they didn't comply. And in Christ's return in Luke 19 and verse 12, it says, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. I wonder when you pray what's known as the Lord's Prayer. Really, I think it should be the model prayer called out the Lord's Prayer. But nevertheless, the Lord's Prayer should be around about John chapter 17, really. Our Father... Let's pray it together, will we? Ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the, the power on the forever and ever. Amen. Do you realize what you prayed? Thy will be done on earth. On earth. You're reigning, Lord. Help me to occupy on earth. Your will in my life, your will through me. Help me to live for you that I may shine a light and take my stand. Lord, Help me to occupy. Thy will be done on where? As it is in heaven. We're also praying, Lord, will you come again? See, the problem with our people and our land and in others, we'll focus on our own, is that they're material physical and even national 
Now listen, I'm a patriot. Don't you get me wrong. I love our land. But that doesn't mean to say I have to agree with everything that's done. Notice here, John 3, verses three, verse 3, the Lord Jesus said, except the man be born again. It's a spiritual element that people are leaving out. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And verse 7, he says, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Friend, you want to go to heaven? You want to be in the kingdom? You want to be there when Christ comes? You want to be saved and ready? Are you born again? You can be the greatest, most wonderful and fervent man or woman that loves their country and still go to hell. And still go to hell. I have to close this. Too much material. So when the Lord comes back, look at our reading, please. If you go to Luke's Gospel again, chapter 19. Verse 13, and he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. He didn't say comply till I come. He didn't say comply and take it easy till I come and we'll sort it all out. He said occupy till I come. He didn't say capitulate. agree with what they're trying to implement in nation with every ungodly law that they're bringing. Didn't say to bow down to a new world order, a one world government, to an Illuminati that worships nothing but the, the devil. He said occupy. The word occupy is the word pragmatiumai. Pragmatiumai. And it means be occupied and carry on in the business and the trade that I've given you. Carry on in the trade that I've given you. Now in the parable, it is God who gives the pound. What's God given you? What has God given you? He says you're to occupy with it and trade with it. I might not be up to much. It doesn't matter. What God has given you, you must use for his coming and for his glory. The first one, when he comes, it says the first one had gained 10 pounds and he's given Rulership over 10 cities. You see, there's authority in the kingdom. There's place and position in the kingdom. The second one is five, and he's given rulership over five. The third one says, I, I knew you were the steer man, and I 
wrapped it in a wee napkin and hid it. And thank you, there's it there. In other words, Lord, you saved me in a set at ease in Zion. Now, this man didn't lose his salvation. I want you to note that. He did not lose his salvation. He lost his reward. And he was ashamed at the coming of his Savior. So that's one for the Christian as we close. What are you doing with what God has given you? Look, please forgive me if I think you think I'm being hard or... I preach hard things and straight because I want people to do well in God. I want the people that come to hear to CET, I want them to I want them to be taught the scriptures. I went to hear a man preach one day. Awesome was with me in a meeting. The man didn't open the word once and he talked about himself being out for a walk and he seen a wee row of ducks walking up the side of the riverbank and he preached in one wee duck at a time. Not true. Let me finish with this. Verse 14, the citizens hated him sent a message after him saying, we'll not have this man to reign over us. And as I said, he enters into Jerusalem. It says it in the last verse we read, 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. He's talking about, now I'm getting up here. They will reject me. But here's what I want you to take note of. Verse 15, and it came to pass that while, when he was returned, this is when Christ returns now, when he was returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained. So he's dealing. He's dealing with the Christian. Paul tells us that every one of us Christians must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That means the bema seat where reward and loss is. The bema seat of Christ, not the great white throne for salvation and loss. If you're saved, you're saved. It's about reward or loss of reward. But here's what I want you to see. Let your eye run down, please. After he deals with the Christian, we will have our glorious body by this time. You not have to worry about your aches and your pains. I was talking to a couple of them when I first came in and I said, I've put on a couple of pounds and I can hardly get into my suit. You not have to worry about it. But verse 26, he takes his minds off that and he says, For I say unto you that everyone that's half shall be given and from... Pardon me, verse 26, and... Uh, and from him that hath not, even that he hath half shall be taken away. Loss of reward. Now notice, but those mine enemies which should not that I should reign over them. Who's he speaking of? Verse 14. The rejection of Christ by the Jew. This is when he comes. And may I put in there the rejection of Christ by every other one. 
every person. Notice what it says, but those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. If you were to go to Revelation 16, to chapter 16 to chapter 18, you will see the fall of Babylon. Babylon Ecclesiastic. I'll do it again another night. Babylon Governmental. And Babylon Monetary System. People talk about, we're going to have a cashless society. Listen, that doesn't worry me in the slightest. You know why? Because it's going to crash anyway. It's going to be destroyed. What are you worried about? It's all going to happen. Christ is going to destroy the whole system. But are you ready for him coming? Christian, are you saved and serving? Are you saved and serving? Have you been messing about with the things of God and very relaxed with them? Are you saved and serving? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? But are you saved for when Christ returns? Bring them before me. You won't hear that in the first Presbyterian church downstairs or downtown, sure you won't. You won't hear that in the first Baptist or you don't hear that much. Just bring them before me and slay them. That's gentle Jesus making mild, by the way. You won't hear that in many charismatic churches. Where would you stand? You know why I'm lingering? Because I know God is speaking. I'm lingering because God's speaking to Christians. I'm lingering because God has been speaking to the unsaved. I'm lingering because the Holy Ghost is lingering. The Holy Spirit is lingering. Speaking to hearts. Tim, would you come up, please? Let's keep in an attitude of solemnity just for a moment here. God bless you, Gail, away to do a night's work after worshiping twice today. The Lord bless you. We're going to do a full night's service in the hospital. Play that other one. So are you saved? Time is gone. I know time's gone. Your soul is more important than all the time in this world. Your service is more important, Christian. Are you ready? Are you serving? Bless you, Lord.
yourselves to the Spirit tonight. Say, Lord, I'm here. I've had your, nap, your pounding on Hopkins so far. And I've buried it, Lord. You're an austere man. That means you were hard. Any man that says Christ is hard doesn't know Christ. Any man that will say, any woman that will say, you know, Christ frightens me because he's hard. No, listen, if you know him, it's nothing but love. Blessing. And the Spirit of God has been here this evening. Right from the outset. Right in your heart, say, Lord, from now on, I'll serve with all my heart. Maybe you're not saved, you'll come to him in faith, repenting of your sin.